be among your people. It was his way to agree about it, your presence with us. We're asking the Lord, your presence will be so strong. You will touch every heart, every mind. I pray the Lord for those who are watching us online. I ask the Lord your presence also with them. In the name of Jesus, I pray the Lord you grant me utterance, the ability to be able to communicate your wisdom and let the power of Father flow through these words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Please be seated. Um, yes, it's a great privilege to be here once again. Um, Reverend Steve and I have been uh, friends and brothers from Sunday School. So um, we are also uh, the pioneers of um, ICC International when it began. Amen. Amen. And then we also like you said, met in the UK and with the UK branch um, together, we, we, you know, we, we, we started with the branch. Hallelujah. Amen. And it's a great joy again to come here to see what the great work is doing here. Um, I, I know that he cannot stop the work of God. Mm. It's a calling mm. and that grace is upon him. And he's a man of excellence. He's a teacher of the word. And I also admire him so much. I've learned so much from him. Amen. Amen. Again, greetings from the General Basia, coming from all the way from Ghana, Accra, from the headquarters. I know he's watching us. Daddy, God bless you for the privilege and the honor and the opportunity you've given to some of us to also serve the Lord in this capacity. So greetings from the General Basia. And um, again, greetings from Zadok Temple, Dalsaman. Hallelujah. All right. We go straight to the word of God. This morning, I'd like to share on the topic, putting on the garment of righteousness. Putting on the garment of righteousness. And I believe that this is very important and fundamental as far as our Christian life is concerned, or Christianity is concerned. As a believer, when you miss on the concept or the subject of righteousness, then I know you're a loser. And you may not be able to make it. Hallelujah. Because it Bible says that he made him who knew no sin to become sin, that we may have the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. So let's go to the book of Zechariah, chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 3. Verse 1 to 10. I'll do a quick reading and we go. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing bef before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at the right hand to accuse him. The King James says, resisting him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. It is, is it not a brand plucked from the fire? Now, Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. And I want you to understand the word filthy garment. Joshua, as a high priest, was clothing or clothed with a filthy garment. And standing before the angel, 
He spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garment from him. Again he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away. Behold, see, I have taken your iniquity away. So the question is, was he not seeing it? Okay, so the, God is telling you, See, I have taken away your iniquity away from you. And he says, See, I've taken away your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal robes. Then I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua. He admonished him, he advised him. He said, My friend, wise up. Say, Thus said the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and if you will perform my service, then you would also govern my house and also, also have charge of my court and I will grant you free access among these who are standing here. I will grant you free access. You will govern my house and you will govern, you'll be in charge of my court. And I will grant you free access among these who are standing here. Now listen, Joshua, the high priest. You and your friends who are sitting in front of you, indeed, they are men who are assembled. For behold, I'm going to bring my servant to the branch. For behold, the stone that I have set before Joshua, on one stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave an inscription on it, on it declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of the land in one day. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and under his victory. Hallelujah. Now, the book of Zechariah is more messianic or has more messianic prophecies than any other minor prophets and makes frequent mention of both the first and the second advent of Christ. Now, the end of the Lord is more prominent in Zechariah than in any other of the prophetic writings. Zechariah is also one of the most de uh, devotional of the prophetic books, dwelling more completely on the person and the work of Christ than any other prophetic writings. So what I'm bringing here makes a lot of prophetic sense and a description of what Christ came to do, and it is it is, like I said, it's a type and a prophecy. But at the time that this prophecy was, was, was written, Christ hadn't died. And it's only telling us what was actually going to happen and what it means to us as, as believers. Amen. Now, Joshua was a man, a priest. And right in the presence of God, Satan had the power to resist him. Just as it happens to many believers today. And there is a cause, there is a reason why Satan had that right and power to accuse him. And you see, you, you, as we read, you realize that God told Joshua, See, I have already removed the iniquity. So why is Satan or what right has he to stand in this presence of God and be able to resist the believer? The fact of the matter is that Joshua did not know. 
So the Bible says he took him aside and raised him within the master. Please listen. I have taken away your iniquity. And said, put on that new garment upon him. Hallelujah. And you realize that Paul was borrowed some of these words that put off the old man and put on the new man. So uh, it brings me to the point that most believers, in as much as they believe that God, Christ died for them and that they are born again, still have a kind of, they are still putting on the old man. They are so sin conscious. They do not believe what God has said about them, just like Joshua, the high priest. So for God to say, see, I have taken away the sins. It means that Joshua was not seeing it. And I believe many believers also are not very conscious. Rather, we are sin conscious and not righteousness conscious. When you ask the average believer or Christian, ask the believer, are you born again? He said, yes, I'm born again. Have you given your life to Christ? Yes, that means that's the reason I'm born again. Are you a sinner? He said, well, you know, we can't deny the fact we are all sinners. And they will quote the scripture, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we are very quick to quote scriptures. But it would shock you that when you read that scripture, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, when Paul said, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory, you have to read that scripture in context. Mm. At the beginning of that chapter, or even before the chapter, I mean, talking about chapter 1, chapter 2, Paul was talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ in chapter 1 and said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, for it is a power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. He introduced the gospel. That it is in that gospel that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Then in chapter 2, he spoke about the Jews, because the Jews were like, no. Paul enlisted a few things that the Gentiles have been doing. Homosexuality, when you read the latter, the, the latter part of chapter 1. And so he listed a lot of things that you know, we describe as filled uh, before God because Paul spoke about homosexuality, spoke about all kinds of evil that is in the world. Then in chapter 2, the, uh, he spoke about the Jews and they said that the Jews might think that this is, has nothing to do with us. So they are sinners. So in the mind of the Jew, the Gentiles are filled. And Paul said, because you have even opened your mouth to judge them, the fact that you judge alone is also a sin. And he said, has the Jew have any advantage over the Gentiles? I said, no, not in any way. For all have sinned. So in that context, he was referring to both the Jew and the Gentiles who have sinned. Whether you are a Jew, whether you are a Gentile, before God, the law does not make you or preclude you from the, the power of sin. So whether you are under the law and you think that you are obeying God, and for that matter, you think you are righteous, the Bible condemns all under sin. So for you to go and quote that scripture and say, the Bible says for all have sinned, doesn't mean that you have to confer on yourself that title. But many have that mind, that oh, as long as we are human beings, oh, we, we err, we make mistakes, so we are sinners, no. We are not sinners, or we were not sinners because we're sinning. We were sinners because sin was a nature we inherited from Adam. He's called the first Adam. 
Now, the Bible calls Jesus the second and the last Adam. He also came with his life. His life is the gift of righteousness. Now, when you are quick to accept and continue to retain the old nature from Adam, that is when Satan has the power, even in the presence of God, to resist you and to accuse you and has the power to inflict on you anything he desires upon your life because you are a slave to sin. And as a slave, you have no rights. Your master, your slave master, tells you what to do and can do to you what he likes at any given time. You have no right. Hallelujah. But thank God that in Christ Jesus, we have been redeemed. And we are no more slaves until you yourself decide to confer on yourself the title or obey Satan as your master. And that is what many believers do. Hallelujah. But I believe that it's important that we get this concept right and train ourselves in a way like the way God was warning Joshua that, listen, Joshua, that sin has been dealt with and there is no need for you to go back and take that filthy garment upon yourself. Hallelujah. And I also say this to any believer, that don't just walk around and say we are sinners. You are not a sinner. By saying you are a sinner, technically you are rejecting the gift that Christ has given to us. And that is what will keep a man to hell. I tell people that it is not the bad things we do that is taking anybody to hell. That will amaze you. It is not the bad thing that we do that will take anyone to hell. And then you will say, why? I said, okay, let me reverse the statement. Is that are we going to go to heaven for every good thing we do? He says, no. I say, if it is no, then the reverse is also true. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If it is true that it is not every good thing we do or not the good things we are doing that will make us, will make us you know, go to heaven, then the reverse is equally true, true. That it is not the bad things you do that will take you to hell. Because one cannot be true and the other one cannot be right. If it is true that not every good people are very good people. I mean, people who are very good, are very generous. They are right in their own eyes. And by all human standard, they are good. But not before God. So if it is not a good thing that we do that will take us to heaven, then it is also true that it's not the bad things we do that will take us to hell. So what will take us to hell? As a question. They're taking us to hell is just not believing or rejecting the offer that God has given to us. Amen. And that is a gift of righteousness. So what will make you a righteous person before God is not necessarily the good things you are doing. In fact, the Bible says you can never do good or righteous unless until you have the gift of righteousness. First John chapter one, uh, 3, verse 7, it says, let no one deceive you. Say, my little children, let no one deceive you. First John 3, verse 7. My little children, let no one deceive you. It says that anyone who does evil is of the devil. 
said, no one can do righteous. I said, you are right. I said, you, you do righteous things because you are already what? Righteous. Let me read that scripture quickly. If you are there, just turn, to me, turn with me. First uh, John chapter 3, verse 7. It says, little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. But let me, let me give you the New Living Translation. It, it makes it even very simple and easy to understand. The New Living Translation says, My little children, 1 John 3 verse 7, New Living Translation. Here it goes. It says, Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows, it shows that they are righteous. When people do what is right, it only shows that they have a seed called righteousness. So without that seed of righteousness, you cannot have or practice righteousness. It shows that they had righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. So the reason why you see somebody sinning, or in the act of a, a sinful act is because there is a nature in that person that is present. So the fruit thereof is the things we see. So you only sin because you have a seed of sin inside. And it goes on to say in verse 8, 9, but the one who keeps on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not practice sin. So once you are born again, it is not possible to practice sin. Now, if you will practice sin, then it means that you have not yet put off the old man. Hallelujah. And I will check from the scriptures how to put off the old man. So I talked to many believers and I realized that many believers are struggling with the concept of sin. Number one, they don't even understand, don't have a clear definition of what sin is. And people talk about righteousness and they don't have a clear definition or the understanding of what righteousness is. So Paul had the same problem with the, the Jews in his time. In Romans chapter 10 verse 1, he says, My brethren, my heart desire for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, they go about to establish their own. So it means that we have our own kind of righteousness, which we think is righteousness, but that is far from God's righteousness. So they go about to establish their own and have not submitted to the righteousness, which is by faith. In Christ Jesus. For Moses has said, verse 4, that if anyone, anyone who does these things shall inherit righteousness. That was the law, the condition for righteousness for you to do some things. But Paul said, but the righteousness which is by faith does not speak in that manner. It does not go in that manner. What does this say? He said, the righteousness which is by faith speaks in this manner. Do not say in your heart, who will do this for me? So no, it has been done already by Christ. Amen. So the righteousness which by faith, we only confess them. If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you shall be saved. 
For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made. Now, this is how we put off the old man, and this is how we put on the new man. So, the righteousness is not in the actions. The righteousness is in the confession. Put it on. How do you put it on? You start confessing who you are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So, when we talk about the believer, the believer ought to understand this basic, this fundamental truth. Otherwise, you would be like the Israelites who have a zeal for God, trying to do things that will please God. Every day, you might think, that, ah, what have I done? I think I've got offended God. Maybe I'm not doing some things right. No. You are doing everything right. The only thing you are doing wrong is like Joshua, who, is, who, has, who keeps on wearing that dirty garment. In other words, you are carrying your own righteousness. One day, I was speaking to a lady, and I asked her, are you born again? I'm born again. Are you righteous? Said, yes, I have the righteousness of Christ. I said, I want to ask a question. Well, let me ask you again. Are you righteous? When I kept on asking about the third time, he says, hmm, yes, you know, in Christ, yeah, I am righteous. But my own righteousness, I, I, I know in my own, I, I said, no, no, no. Where is your own? He said, I said, didn't you read what Paul said? Not having my own righteousness and be found in him. Not having my so as long as you keep your own righteousness, Satan will resist you. He will resist you. And unconsciously, we carry our own. We carry our own. Maybe we think that after fasting 40 days, after praying to so and do that is when you are righteous. That is why Satan can easily resist you. But if you, if you agree with the scriptures, Kabaya, and we put off the old man. Put off your own righteousness and carry that one and only. The righteousness which we have in Christ. I don't have my own. So, is the reason why when you become too much sin conscious, you want to start praying and Satan comes, confess your sins, confess your sins, confess your sins. Then you say, oh, let's confess our sins. Maybe we have sinned. In our walking, we have sinned. In our talking, we may have sinned. Even in our eating, we may have sinned. Why are you so sin conscious? In our eating, Maybe cry you are in our laugh, laughing, in our, in our watching, in our hearing. Oh, maybe that thing cry in our whatever you have sent. Why are you so sin conscious? When the precious blood of Christ has cleansed us, my God. I never knew this. I was struggling as a believer. I mean, every believer, well, that is me. My journey as a Christian, I know the stages I have been through. I wanted to, I loved God. I remember when we quote this, John, uh, Romans chapter 7, the Paul said that the good things I want to do, I cannot do them. Rather, the bad things I don't want to do is what I find myself. I find another law working in my members that when I want to do good, it doesn't come. But something else comes up. And it was all because I was holding on. So Paul said in Romans chapter 6, in fact, when you take your time and read Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, it's amazing. The flow of thought. Oh my God. The, the mind of God and what Paul is trying to communicate. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. When Paul says in chapter 3, look, a new righteousness had been introduced. Romans 3, 21. A new kind of righteousness had been introduced. Not by the law, but this time by faith in Christ. You only have to believe it. He said, drop that one with the law. And believe that what Christ did on the cross is for you. And in chapter 4, he mentioned uh, 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 Abraham as an example. 
or somebody who lived by righteousness, by faith. Then in chapter 5, he mentioned Adam from Adam, how sin began and how that everybody became condemned. And that through one man, Adam, all sinned. The Bible says then through Jesus Christ, the second Adam, everyone has been made righteous. And he said that when sin, where sin abound, grace did much more abound. And then as he said that, he comes to chapter 6 and says, ah, so are we suggesting that because grace did much abound where there is sin, should we continue to sin? He said, no. That's what I'm saying. But he said, don't you know? Let me read chapter 6 now. Romans chapter 6. I think for the sake of time, time has gone so fast. My God. Romans 6. Verse 1. Let me read the new, the new King James. I think that would help us. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we, die? How shall we who die to sin live any longer in sin? Or do you not know that as many as were baptized into his death? In other words, how do you die to sin? He said, don't you know? You must only know that when Christ died, accept the fact that you were dead with him. In fact, this week, Daniel Vasya has tweeted the concept of sin and the sin nature. And it's amazing. That, 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 I, I pray that everyone goes back, take your time from, from the Monday and take your time and read one after the other. When somebody is a slave to sin, you have no rights. The slave, the master comes and tells you what to do. You are there, and then he, he stares a desire, fornication. Mm. He comes. You don't want to do it, but because he's your master, by the time you realize you are obeying your master. Hallelujah. You, you promise yourself, I don't want to drink again. I don't want to drink. I don't want to drink. I don't want to drink again. Then all of a sudden, you see an advert on the TV. Oh, be at the Anwani Club. You look at it, and the thing is sweating. And then something stares inside you. It's called sin. Now, because you are not dead, dead, you have not died to sin, the only way you can be free from the influence of sin is when you accept that you are dead. Amen. Amen. I don't know if I get what I'm saying. Yeah. So, until you say you are dead, now, this is how people revive their old nature. Oh, no, we are all sinners. Oh, we are all sinners. The moment you say you are all sinners, you revive your old nature. And that old nature is under the influence of Satan. So Satan comes and takes over the old nature and tells you what to do. But to die from the influence or the power of sin, you must accept it. So let's read on to, from, from the verse 8 and see how it ends in verse... It, if, if you have the time, please read Romans chapter 6. It's beautiful there. Romans 6. Let me read from verse 9. Now, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11 was my, my breaking point in my Christian life when I understood this. He said, likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead. Until you reckon yourself to be dead, you are not dead. And nobody can die for you. You have to die. And say, so Paul said, reckon this yourself to be dead. Other verses says, put this in your mind. Accept it in your mind that you are dead. So this is a matter of the mind. Don't confess that you are a sinner. Don't see yourself as un, uh, un, unworthy. Don't see yourself as unholy. 
Don't see yourself as somebody who doesn't qualify. It takes the grace of God. No. You must, whether you made mistakes, whether you lied, listen, until the lie stops, until sin nature stops, lies will continue to flow. Until you are dead to sin, the things of sins, the, the fruit of sin will manifest. Now, if you want to stop the lions, you want to stop the fornication, you want to stop all those things, the Bible says, reckon yourself dead. Accept the fact that you are dead. If you don't accept it, and you keep on saying, you know, we are sinners, you are awakening your old man. And that old man is a slave to sin. Hallelujah. So today I declare... And anyone under the sound of my voice, you agree with me, agree with the scripture, that you are dead indeed unto sin. And that is the end of the control of sin over your life. That I know that there are people who desires to serve God. In their heart, they want to serve God. But they, when they remember that they are sinners, then they come down. Something in them want to serve God. But I tell you today, if you agree with the scriptures, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that when he died, we died with him. When he was raised, we were raised together with him. Hallelujah. This is what Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. He said, I am crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live. This is Paul's confession. And that should be our confession too. He said, I am crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. But Christ that lives in me and the life I live in this flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself unto me. That if righteousness therefore come by the law, then I frustrate the grace of God. That was the reason why the grace of God cannot work in you is because you are frustrating it. It wants to work. He said, No, no, I'm a sinner. Then the grace of God is paralyzed. But from the today, if you agree with me and say, I died with him. I am crucified with him, or I was crucified with him. Nevertheless, even though I'm crucified with him, I still live. But this life, I live in my flesh. He said, I live it by the faith. There's a new life. That is the new man. That is the new man. I pray in the name of Jesus. And as you understand this, deliverance has already taken place. I got my deliverance from this scripture. Romans uh, 6, 11. Reckon yourself to be dead. Listen, I've been... When we're young, we've been to deliverance uh, programs upon deliverance programs. They've laid hands on us, casting out the spirit of lust, casting out all kinds of spirit out of us. They cut it out and they come back. We only come back every, almost every week or every month for, for rededication. And they never told us that it is not in the laying on of hands, it is in the accepting of this truth. I speak in the name of the Lord Jesus. Anyone under the sound of my voice, under the influence and the power of sin, I declare, according to the scriptures, that you are dead indeed. And from today, sin has no dominion over your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Therefore, verse 11, 11 and 12, reckon yourself also, Romans 6 verse 11, reckon yourself also, likewise you also reckon yourself to be dead, indeed to sin, but alive. So you tell yourself, I'm alive unto God. In Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its last. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness. For sin 
shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are under the law? But we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do not, don't you know to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? So the problem is that we obey sin more than we obey the word of God. But then Satan comes and says, you are a sinner. Say, mm, it's true. It's true. I'm a sinner. The moment you say that, you have obeyed Satan. And therefore, sin will revive and have dominion. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So when you now say, I'm righteous, I'm righteous. In fact, when, my, when the first time I started saying I'm a righteous man, it was a difficult thing for my lips to say. Because, you know, looking at the scripture and looking at my life, I couldn't reconcile the two. But this gift is, this righteousness is a gift. It has nothing to do with me. So it only, it was only right for me to take the gift and use it. It's like somebody buys you a, a, a fresh Mercedes Benz. And you say, because I didn't buy it with my money. So I, I don't, I can't use it. It doesn't make sense. When somebody blesses you with a gift, you are rather happy. You say, wow, I was given this gift by a friend and you, you enjoy the using it. And that is the gift that God gave to us. He gave you the gift of righteousness. It's more than the Mercedes Benz. It's more than anything that anybody can give you. It is your trump card. It is your authority. To be honest with you, when we talk about righteousness, the name of Jesus, when I say in the name of Jesus, it means you are appropriating righteousness. I was telling somebody that you don't need to even confess that God forgive me for this and I did. No, no. Once you are able to use the name in the name of Jesus, technically, you are admitting that you are, because when you say in his name, it means that you are coming in his office. And how do you come in his office? He has accepted you. If he has not forgiven you, you cannot come in that office. You cannot pray in the name of Jesus. So when you say in the name of the Lord Jesus, it is a confession that I am not a sinner. I don't need to necessarily go and list every sin. He's not interested. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18, 19. It says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Time, right? A minute. He's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And it says that this is of God. The, this one, this particular one, it is God's own initiative who has given us his righteousness in Christ. Verse 19, to wait, to show, to prove that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting, not imputing. There is no record that you did, you, you every, the, 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 the young ones, we almost always stole some fish or something, meat from our mother's soup. There is no record that that thing is there. Somebody said, I went to heaven, and when he went to heaven, he saw the screen was shown, and then all the past things he did, and God was there, and it was so embarrassing. It is never true. Yeah. It's never true. Mm-hmm. So the meat I stole in my mother's soup some time back, <laughs> it's not record. Because that is called the gift of righteousness. You cannot be condemned. May I pray in the name of Jesus Amen. that this truth will be able to sink into the heart of Every, every, everyone who are under the sound of my voice, 
I pray in Jesus' name. Jesus said, the words I speak, their spirit and their life. As I speak today, the life of God is, is in the air. The life of God is in the atmosphere. Yes. The life of God is healing. The life of God is bringing deliverance. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Anyone under the influence, the power of masturbation, anyone under the power of any kind of sinful act, is because you are keeping the sin nature. But from today, in the name of Jesus, by the power and the blood, we cut off that influence and declare you dead to sin and you are free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Just enjoy the interlude. Enjoy the interlude. What a word. 